Zulfat Suara doesn't fit into just one box. Matter of fact, she destroys the box altogether. She's a Nigerian immigrant who's been living in the Bible Belt since the late 90s. She's a mom of five, a CPA, and in 2019, she ran a landmark campaign to be the first Nigerian woman elected to any office in the U.S. I've been so captivated by her ability to bring people together, to overcome hate and mistrust from people who judge her or don't even try to understand her. She dissolves all that with so much love and acceptance. I talked to her about where that power comes from, and I learned her incredible personal story. She's the definition of an amstigator, someone who creates change with real intensity, and she does it with the kindest smile. This is Zulfat Swara, The Disruptor. But before we begin, did you know you can watch this entire episode on YouTube? Yeah, I know. Every interview, every awesome moment, it's all been captured on multiple cameras in our studio in Nashville. Just know you can always check out these full interviews on YouTube and then also really feel like you're sitting with me with each guest. And while you're there, go ahead and subscribe to my YouTube channel, comment on the videos you like best, and be a part of our community. Just look up Amstigator. Let's get started. Are you ready to play a game with me? Yes, ma'am. I mean, it's not so much of a game, but we'll make it fun, as fun as we can. When was the best time in your life? The best time in my life? I would say my wedding day. Mm. My wedding day. Um, and when I look back at it, because he brought so many people together, my father has a history of helping so many people in the family, but he's never had like a big wedding. And so because he wanted to have one this time and I was getting married, everyone, every member of the family came from my mother's side, my father's side, and everybody poured into it. Uh, uh, it was, uh, we have over a thousand people. We added, yes, at the main college in my city, where they have their uh, uh, college invocation. That's where, that's where, convocation. That's where we had it. In there Nigeria? So, in Nigeria, there were so many people. It was just beautiful just sitting and looking at the sea of people that came out for my dad mm. and for me. Um, and, and, and it still is because since I left the country, every now and then I pick out those pictures. Every now and then I, we used to have a video that I'm trying to change to a DVD. But just remembering that time, and most of them I haven't seen since then, I left the country a year after my wedding. Oh, and wow. so just looking back on that day and, oh my God, all these people came out for us, was just just so beautiful. Oh, wow. I don't know so that I've ever heard of a wedding with a thousand people. Yeah, it was, it was crazy. It was crazy. It was crazy. <laughs> but it was just... It was just the joy and everybody pitching in, everybody doing, there were like three or four musicians and everybody doing their own thing. Every So many, uh, we have what we call Hashue B, which is where you have a group wearing the same fabric. There's like 10 different ones. Everybody just wanted to be a part of it. Oh. And it was just so, it was just so beautiful. Yeah. And I think it was because of my dad. It wasn't necessarily because of me. Yeah. I think it was because of my dad. And then on my husband's side, my sister-in-law uh, was a state commissioner. And so that also added some more notoriety to it. Mm. Uh, but it was just looking back and, and thinking about my family, his family, how our college friends, everybody being there, people that got at me so much. And yeah. Yeah. That was, well, that and was you there. think too about a, a marriage and a happy marriage, everything stemmed from that. Your, it, five, it, it your five beautiful children oh, stemmed from that. You know, yes, I mean, all of yes, that came from yes, that moment. Yes, yes. I thought about, you know, at first, I thought maybe having my first child. But one of the reasons why I did not say that is because I do have five kids and I can't pick any one of them because each moment was special. And so I don't want to say it's the first one, it's the last one, yeah. because they have their own special stories on, mm. on how they came into this world and every single one of them is, is special. But I do remember my wedding mm. uh, uh, where the two best guys in my life come together, my dad and my husband. Mm. I love so. that. When was the worst time in your life? when my dad passed away. Mm. When my dad passed away was the worst time. Um, and it was worse because, <laughs> it was worse because I was here. Mm. 
I was actually in an hotel. I came for a walk and I wanted to call him because we talk all the time. And my dad would, this is the kind of guy that he is. My dad would say, Zophat, I'm always thinking of you. And when any time you remember me, say amen, because I'm praying for you. Mm. And so I was in my hotel room and I thought about calling him. But, you know, I, I tried to call from the hotel, but I was thinking it's too expensive. And I didn't have my calling card because it's international. Yeah. In those days, we didn't have one like only card. So I was like, okay, I'll, I'll just wait till the morning. So I woke up in the morning trying to get ready for work and I got the call. Mm. And it was so sad because I wasn't there. Yeah. And I blamed myself for such a long time because I did not make that call oh. that I wish I had actually talked to him mm. in his last moments. Um, I remember getting an accident that day that because I was so dazed. Mm. Um, I was very close to my dad. Yeah. Um, I believe that my strength, my confidence, the unconditional love that I got from him is part of what makes me who I am. And yeah. so. <laughs> Thank you. Has there been a turning point in your life that you feel like from this moment, from that, from that moment, experiencing this, everything changed from that point on? I think if I think about it, you know, there's been so many changes and we move so much. And, but I think for what I'm doing now, I think the turning moment was moving to Bolivar, Tennessee, which is uh, about an hour from, from Memphis. So when we came into the country, we went to Houston and D.C. and then Nashville. And then my husband got a job in Bolivar. And Bolivar being a rural area, uh, I remember when we were trying to move there. We we're not sure what to expect. And so being able to move there, live for 16 years, make so many great friends there. My children has the best experiences of their life. My children end up in Ivy League schools because wow. they lived in Bolivar. Because there's no, it's a very small town. They can't get into trouble. There's nothing for them to do. All they had to do was study. I mean, so it was like, all we did was studying. Uh, and because it's also a small town, every little achievement makes it into the local newspaper. And so it really encourages them. And then the people are so nice. It's one of those old stories where everyone is vested. Like if you do something you're not supposed to do, I'll hear about it yeah. before you get home. And so I think it allowed us as new parents, to be able to have a good time. It was the best place for raising my children. Mm. And I think I owe Bolivar that. Then the other thing it did was, it's also where I start my advocacy outside of the Muslim community. Because everywhere else that I've lived, I've been within the Muslim community. Mm. But being in a town where we're the only Muslim, well, there's no Muslim community. Yeah. So I had to learn to be part of that community. Mm. And so that, that Bolivar actually, to me, uh, made a lot of difference in my life and my family's life. How old were you at that point that you moved to Bolivar? We moved to Bolivar, so I have to calculate now. We moved to Bolivar in 2002, 1966, 2002. I don't know what that is, whatever the math is. No. 26, 36, somewhere there. I can't do it. 36, somewhere there. I talk for a living. I'm supposed to be the math person, right? <laughs> but you know, that's the one thing. My age is the one math that I never get right. Like, I, and I don't know whether it's intentional or maybe there's a part of me that wants to reduce it or something. But every time I calculate it, it always come off wonky. So, so that's the one math that, I, that I'm not age always math. eager to. Age math. Age mm -mm. math is hard. It, it's hard. Tell me, do you have a moment where you say, oh, this was my greatest moment of clarity? Is there a point in your life that you can remember a moment like that? Hmm. In times of... Just a moment where you thought, you just, wow, you're, you're thinking so clear right now in this moment. Has there been a moment like that? You were completely present-minded. Things became clear. Hmm. I don't know. Uh, um, um, I don't know. Okay. Because I think that most of the decisions that I've ever made in my life, it's always come together in a funny way. Like, I, I, it's not like I've ever sat down and planned anything, but things just kind of find a way to, to work themselves out. Oh, wow. And so, so I've always, always, 
I always tell everyone, and I said this because I've moved around so much, I always say that every move, every experience is part of what makes me who I am. Mm -hmm. And every time that I'm ready to move, I always believe that the Lord doesn't make a mistake. And so whatever direction is taking me, that's where I'm supposed to be. And so maybe that's the clear thing that I know, mm. that just accepting the Lord's will and making the best of any situation is the best thing I can do yeah. for myself. And so maybe that's what it is, but I don't know at what point I made that realization. Mm. I wish I could, but I don't. I, I feel like I didn't realize that until until my 30s, like finally getting to a point where I just trusted that where. You know, this is where I'm going and this is this is what it's going to be. And, and, and I think it could be in my 30s too, because when you think about it, I mean, I wasn't planning to leave the country, but I got, I left the country a year after getting married. Yeah. But I just love my husband and trust him and, and just believe that, you know. And then even every time we moved, even going to Bolivar was something that I wasn't that eager about. Well, you had been in big cities. I've been and in so, big cities, so, so it wasn't. But my husband is, bless him. So when he got the offer to leave the country, he would not leave Nigeria without us. So his first offer was to work for the British government in a British lab in, in West Africa. And he said he was not going to go without us. So then when he went there, we went with him. While he was there, somebody from NIH came and they loved the work that he was doing, that the U.S. government invited him to the United States. Wow. And he would not leave without us. Hmm. And so, so, so anytime he says, let's go, I'm like, okay, <laughs> all right, <laughs> all right let's, let's do you it. You know, he's always thinking of you. He's you, always you thinking, know. always putting the family first. And so for me, I have to do the same thing. And because we're young uh, and it's just us and our kids, no, no relatives, no uncle, no aunties, it is important for us to always be together. Hmm. Uh, uh, but thinking back of all the different moves and thinking about everything, it was like, you know what? They were not bad decisions after all. This is where we're meant to be. Mm. And so maybe that's where the clarity came that, you know what? Just go with the flow. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Is there something about your nature that you feel like you've had to overcome or continue to overcome? I think that I'm, I'm, I'm a, a, what is the word? The cop is half full kind of a person. Oh, half full. I'm usually yeah, yeah. very optimistic. And I like to see the best in people. But there are times that that is not always the best thing mm. uh, 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 because there are people that are really mean. Uh, and that is the truth. Now, I don't want to change who I am, but I've seen the other side of that, what that can do when you're overly trusting. And so, so that's, that's the only thing that I would think that. But it's also what has got me here. It's also what is made me the most friends that I have. It's also, also the best thing about me. But sometimes it can also be the thing that, that is very helpful. Mm, I understand that. Well, I mean, there has to be some balance with that. There has to be. So, so I think it's just trying to know when to say, okay, you, you, you need to leave this. And I'll give you some examples. During the campaign, during when I ran for office, I actually did get death threats. Mm. And I had people that were attacking me online. Uh, uh, there were people posting stuff about me and doing all kinds of stuff. But the optimistic person in me will read some of them and will engage some of those people. Mm. I've had situations where some of them have come back and said, oh, I misunderstood. And I even had a guy that ended up donating to my campaign, even though he started out attacking me. Mm. And so looking at the good in people and always feeling that we can have that connection is a good thing. But then there's also been instances where I take somebody on and no matter what I said, no matter what I did, it's just not reaching them. And so to be able to say, you're going to have to let this go. Yeah. This is not a fight that you're going to win. Just you have to understand that not everybody is going to, you know what I mean? Like you just have to leave. And that's very painful sometimes. Yeah. But it's something that I've learned to just say, okay. We're gonna look, and my kids are like, Mom, why do you keep reading? Why do you keep engaging people? Yeah, these people, these why crazy you, why, people. Why do you keep doing this? Like, what are you doing to yourself? But I cannot let it go. Yeah. I, I really cannot let it Because I honestly believe that when we have those conversations and we get to know each other, that some people are just ignorant and, and on so many levels. So am I on some things. And so those conversations are very important. But when they get to, okay, Zofad, you need to let this one go. So that's, that's tough. Is there something that you find yourself saying a lot lately, a phrase that keeps coming out of your mouth? I think a phrase that I that I've, uh, say a lot is the one about just getting to know each other. 
Mm. I've come to find out that, and it's worked for me. If I live in, people like you live in Balwa for 16 years, yes, I did. And what I found out is that when you actually get to know each other, when you actually get to see each other as people, and you cannot do that until you actually have that conversation. Mm. I think that's something that I'm seeing a whole lot of is that we don't know everything. Our experiences are limited. And so until you hear somebody's experiences, and when you have that conversation, you break down a lot of barriers. And so I'm encouraging people to do that. Like, yeah. don't, 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 don't jump to conclusions. Don't, don't stereotype. I, I, I try not to. As somebody who's been stereotyped a lot, I try to give people the benefit of the doubt mm. until you prove otherwise. And so let's just take a minute. Let's have that conversation. And then if we realize that we're not compatible, we cannot have it, then we leave each other alone. That's fine. You know, uh, so, so that's something that I'm hoping that I can see a lot of us listening and talking to each other a lot. I would love to to be able to see that. But you're an optimist and you're not a quitter, so you're probably not going to let someone walk away until you have I some try ground, not right? to. I mean, I'll give it I'll give I'll give it my best shot, right? And, and and you also have to also believe that I know that as a person of faith that everything happened the way the Lord wills it. Like mm -hmm. you put in the effort, you do the best that you can. At the end of the day, you know, things happen the way they're meant to happen. Mm -hmm. I do believe in that. And so my goal is to put in all the efforts that I can do the best that I can, and then see where it goes. What do you think your purpose is? So never thought of it until, until knowing what the theme of your podcast is. <clears throat> Excuse me. And when I thought about it and I look at where I am and where I've been and everything, I realized that the, the common theme that keeps coming up for me is advocacy that I want to be an advocate. I want to speak up where I see something that is not right. And because I'm an advocate, I've been able to become a, build, a, a bridge builder and been able to connect people. Because when you advocate for someone, you learn about them and knowing about them, you can also articulate that to other people that don't know about them and you're bridging the gap. Mm. And so that's, that's what I think that I've been doing a whole lot of being an advocate and also being a, a build, uh, a bridge builder. Mm. Um, I also thought about why did I decide to do that? Yeah, why? Yeah, like That's how a, did, it's, you're like. It's just a lot of energy, you yeah, know? It, I mean, oh, it, it is, it's a lot Ooh, of energy. And it's it's a, too much. And, you're, and, and because you look different, you dress yeah. different. So, so then there's that extra hurdle. It is. Because you're trying to build these bridges. Yeah, yeah. And then in the same process, you're trying to help other people, other people have an understanding yes, yes. So, who you are. Yeah, so I had to think back to why. And I came up with two things. The first one is my faith. I do believe there's a higher being. I also believe there's a world after this one where every actions that we do, we are accountable for. Mm -hmm. My faith also teaches me that the most important thing that we can do here is to be of service to worship God. And the way you serve him is by serving other people. Mm. And so, so advocacy, helping other people is a form of worship for me. And mm. it's part of the tenant of my faith. Speaking up is what my faith teaches me. That if you see an injustice, you should speak up. Mm. Even if it's against yourself. That's how far it went. And so that was something that I believe. And I believe that hopefully that everything that I'm doing, every good that I put out there is something that I will get back. If not in this world, but in the next the other reason that I think it's also critical is my family, my dad, right? I watch him being nice to everybody. And my dad will always tell you that being kind is not always easy. Mm. You know, that it has its, you know, sometimes being good gives you a lot of headache. Yeah. But it's a, you still have to continue to do it. And so I watch him being nice to everybody in the neighborhood to, I mean, my house is full of kids that did not grow up there. My, my brother's friends live in our house. Uh, uh, there's a story where I called my house after being here in the United States one day, and this dude picked it up. And I said, who is this? And he said, Sunday. Sunday is a Christian name. And I'm like, <laughs> Sunday, what are you doing? And he was like, oh, he came to visit my brother. You're picking up the phone in the house. But I wasn't too surprised because <laughs> I grew up with that. Like yeah. my dad takes in everybody. Mm. And that's why I was telling you that for my wedding, everybody felt like mm. they have to do something. Like back. he was their own father. He right? was their own father. I'll tell you one, one quick story too. When I was in, when I got into high school, I was, I was very bright. 
and I had a lot of, for our end of the year, there was going to be an award ceremony and I was going to get some awards. So my teacher told me to invite my parents. My mom is a nurse. She was working. She couldn't come. So my dad was going to come. So my dad came. I was in the hall with the rest of the students, came out of the hallway and I saw my teachers in front of my dad, you know, Nigeria, we kneel down. There's a way that we greet people that are older. And I see all these people surrounding my father. Never met him before, first time in the school. And I'm thinking, what's going on? So the story was that many years ago, my dad was on a train from Northern Nigeria to Southern Nigeria. On the train was one of my teacher that he's never met. So everybody was standing. My teacher was there with her sister and they had a child. My dad has a seat, so he gave up his seat mm. for the, the sister to sit down. Mm. Then, because it was such a long ride, she fell asleep and the baby was about to, and my dad oh. took the baby, standing carrying that baby for a long time. In, in the train? In the train. They left, never saw each other again. That was the end of it until he came to my school. Oh, wow. And, and they remembered him. And they remembered him. Wow. And she had to remind him. <laughs> She had to remind You know him. what that tells me? It, it sounds to me like he was such an incredible person that My doing, doing was, things like that, was, that just... was not was nothing to him, was nothing to him. Now, what that meant was like, well, I did pay for it because now every teacher knows who I am. And so I can get in trouble either because they know my dad. <laughs> but but that's the kind of person that he was. And that's what I grew up with. That's mm. what I saw around me. There was no reason for me not to think doing that was the right thing to do. Mm. And so that was all around me. Uh, we also have a, a very large family. My uncles and my aunts uh, live with us, mm. you know. So, so you also learn in that big setting to speak up. So when you have, when you have that huge family, my dad had 22 kids. Holy so yeah, smokes. yeah, yeah. 22 yeah. children. 22 children. So, I'm struggling so, with three. So, so you, you, we <laughs> eat together, we dress alike, and when you have a big pot, guess what happened? You have to learn to eat very fast. <laughs> if it's wonderful to be cold, then you go with that, or you have to eat the leftovers. And then you have the older boys wanting to take everything. Then you have the girls. <laughs> so somebody's got to be like, okay, hold off, guys. We're going to split this up. So, every so I learned to speak up at a very young age and wow. to be able to be like, okay, guys, we're not going to do that. Yeah. So all of that, I think, just thinking back and also knowing for a fact that my dad has my back, mm. that no matter what, I can always go to him. Mm. So I think all of that <clears throat> was how I found my voice mm. to be able to say, you know what, at a young age, if you say something, you gotta say something. Yeah. And you should be good to people. So I think my faith and my family, and I keep saying my dad, yeah. because I was very close to him. My mom is awesome. I just was not close to her, <laughs> but she's an incredible person. Yeah. Well, and I, and I know you had an interesting upbringing too, because you yeah. had some, there were religions, so many different yeah. religions in, yeah. your, in your home and in yeah. your family, yeah. which I know I, for me personally, I found so surprising. Yeah. Yeah. So my mom was a Christian. My dad was a Muslim. And I tell everyone that my aunt, my mom and their sister was a reverend mother. Mm -hmm. My mother's family has a church with the pew and everything with their name. Wow. And so when we visit my aunt, we'll go to church. Wow. And then when we go home, we go and pray. I mean, so, so, but what is interesting about it though, is that when my aunt became seriously ill, she actually she was at our house, you know, getting care. Wow. That was the relationship. They were all very close. Yeah. And I think that even before we were born, seeing that relationship, seeing that it did not, when we go to aunt's place, we have to go to church out yeah. of respect for her. But when we say we want to pray, she will make the room for yeah. us to pray because she knows that's what our, our, our dad taught Gosh. us. And so she would not say don't pray, but she would not allow us not to come in the church right. either. You know, <laughs> so it was so interesting. It, is it was interesting. so interesting. And, and as soon as I heard that that story of yours in your in your background, everything for me clicked knowing, I mean, you're just kind of like a, a lightning rod for community. I, I oh. think you have this ability to make everybody feel so comfortable. You yeah. don't, and you don't judge anybody. That's the other thing too, is, you know, you, you just don't, you, you welcome everyone, you create community for everyone. And I realized just because that's how you grew up. You it, know? It, it, it was what was around me. And here's something else that is also interesting for me was that 
being around that and seeing it, I'm like, my dad, my dad is the best person anyway, <laughs> next to my husband. Uh, you know, so that, that goes without saying. But here's the kicker. When I grew older and I started learning my religion, right? Then I started learning about stories. Like the Prophet of Islam lived at a point where there were Muslims mm -hmm. and Jews and Christians right. together, right? Yeah. I learned of a story of, actually learned this from a PBS documentary, of, a, of an agreement, a treaty, that the Prophet of Islam had with the monks in Syria, mm. talking about, we will protect your churches, you have the right to practice your religion. So my dad was not doing anything outside of the religion. Mm. And, and I think that's what does it for me. Like, this is what my faith teaches, regardless of what anybody does. Yeah. People not knowing their religion or people not knowing the history and what happens, do whatever they want. But I know my faith mm. and I know what it taught me, which was exemplified by my dad and the people around me. My dad was a Muslim. But he knew that if the prophet lived in Medina with non-Muslim and they coexisted for so many years, he could live with my mother and her family and coexisted. Same goes with me. I have a half-brother that is a Christian. It doesn't bother me. Mm. I have friends that are Christians, that are Jews. You do you, I do me. Yeah, and, yeah, I, yeah. You know, it does not bother me. I have so much confidence in my faith and my practice that I don't need to get into your business. Yeah. I really don't. I hope you're loving Amstigator. Honestly, it's the most fun I've ever had. From the moment I decided to create this podcast in 2021, I knew building community was the goal. I mean, it was everything. And thanks to the internet, we're able to be worlds apart, but still be connected. But I'm creating a way for us to get together, like physically, actually in person with Amstigator events. I have an event coming up in June right here in Nashville. It'll be a time where you can meet some of your favorite podcast guests, watch a live podcast taping, and listen to speakers who I personally selected who will help us all reframe our thinking and reclaim our lives. But that's literally the purpose. It's literally the name. I'm calling it Reclaim by Amstigator because I want you to go into this one day summit so ready to receive some really high grade wisdom about reclaiming your life as your own. You know, we take on so much expectation and storylines from other people that quite frankly aren't ours. So what is your story? Let's find it, let's reclaim that. That's the purpose of this event. And I want you to join me. Just go to amstigator.com slash events and you'll find everything you need to know right there to sign up, book your travel and come to Nashville. Now let's get back to the conversation. Do you think it surprised you the first time um, that maybe you weren't treated with that kind of kindness and graciousness? Do you remember when that first happened for you? Um, I think it was after we left the country uh, um, that I've seen things like that. Uh, 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 and don't get me wrong, I mean, my kids have been called monkeys. Uh, uh, they've been called terrorists. So it's not always a bed of roses. Mm. Um, but my husband, so now that was my dad, but my husband, bless him, always remind me, there's a story in the Quran that says that when the Lord wants to create Adam, that he brought in the angel and said, I'm going to create man. And the angels were like, why do you want to create man who will backbite and be do this and do all of that? So well, that was through human things. <laughs> yeah. And so he always go back and said, even before we were created, the Lord knows that we all not going to be doing the right thing. We know there's the devil that will try to sway people in the wrong way. So yes, we will have all of that. And so you have to remember that at the end of the day, that our role is to make sure we do not let the devil divide us. Mm. And you also have to remember that somebody doing wrong does not justify you doing wrong as well because you're responsible for you mm -hmm. and they're responsible for themselves. So at a very young age, my husband is very, more like my dad, very laid back. He doesn't go out much, but very laid back. And he taught me that. And so anytime somebody does something that really, really upset me, really upset me, I go back to this heaven and this hell and this reckoning. Mm. You just take care of your business. Yeah. You know, take care of your business, you know, and, and that's what you can do. And so try to help as much as possible. Try to get them to see things. But if they cannot, just, you know, 
they're going to have to, and, and I've had that, I've had situations that I'm like, blah, 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 blah. but then I go back and I say, you know what, there is a day of reckoning. Mm. And everybody will account for what they've done to yeah. each other. Yeah. So I just, I've got to take care of what I've done, what I'm doing. And my excuse cannot be, he did it first. Yeah, right. Exactly. No, 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 it cannot be like, yeah, he started it. He started it. Yes, he started it. But how did you react? Right. When we have stories of people, even in in the Quran, about what people did to Christ, right? And even as he's being crucified, he's talking about, you know, Father, forgive them for they know not what they did. Mm -hmm. Right. And so (laughs) those are part of the teachings that I grew up with. Mm -hmm. Right. So, 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 so we have to, um, and, and I'm, I'm not this super person. I have my days. Uh, <laughs> I cry a lot uh, when I see things that doesn't go right. Uh, when people make me upset, I, I really, really get upset. Uh, so it's not always this smiling person. No, it's not. It's really very hard. Very, very hard. Raising kids in this country mm. is very, very hard. And taking on everything that they brings that they've seen, it's hard, mm. you know, uh, as, 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 as a mother of two black boys, it's very hard. What, what kinds of things that have you seen that have been so hard for you? <sighs> for me, when I think about the justice system in this country, uh, when I think about racism in this country, when I think I was talking to someone about it the other day, like when I think about the rate at which black boys are being killed, mm. <laughs> uh, it's very tough. You know, I've had the talk with my kids. I was telling someone that, I just had this conversation with David, that when Trevor Martin was killed and people were talking about he had a UDI on, mm. I've had to talk to my boys about, don't go on with UDI, right? Mm. You've had the talk about when you're driving, make sure that you don't reach out for the glove compartment, make sure that your license is beside you. Because if you reach out, the police might think you're trying to get something. We've talked about so many different scenarios. But what makes it very hard for me is that when you look at all of those stories, there's no, there's no correlation. There's no, this is the situation. If you do this, then you're in trouble. So don't do this. Yeah. Because it's so many stories. It's people being shot in their home. It's somebody running away from the police. It's somebody sitting down with the police. It's, some, it's just like... How do you deal with that? And I always tell everyone that, you know, I don't have anything against cops. They're good cops. But I think that we have to be able to talk about the police protecting us, Mm -hmm. but we also have to talk about the disparity and the alarming rate at which black men are being killed by cops. If we don't talk about that, that problem is not going to go away. Is that some of the advocacy (coughs) that that you feel like led you to public service? The, the criminal justice system was not what led me to, advo- to advocacy or public service. For me, education was it. Mm. Uh, uh, because I do, I do see disparity in our education system as well. Uh, so when I first lived in Nashville, my kids went to school in West Nashville. But when I came back, my daughter went to school in North Nashville. In the North Nashville school, they did not have enough computers for the kids. And so they had a computer cart going from one class to the other. And I saw that that was just not acceptable. You know, how can we talk about, (laughs) education is very important to me. I went to school in Nigeria, right? And what I do today is the education that I got there. So did my husband. And so that's what will help these kids in the society. And so looking at the schools, looking at the funding in the school, looking at the disparity is one. I also learned while I was at the school, I was the principal for a day in one of the schools in North Nashville. Mm. And this young man came into school with a dirty uniform. I did not know that at the time. But he was standing on the side. He was very depressed, not talking to anyone. Then the real principal went and talked to him. And we found out it was because his uniform was dirty. And so when you're looking at what some kids have to deal with, Mm. even before coming to school, you know, all the trauma, the social emotional part yeah. of it. And, and so, ha- hunger? Hunger. I mean, this is simplest. We have kids that are homeless yeah. with this housing crisis that we have. So it was things like that that led me to run that, hey, we're missing the ball here. Yeah, yeah. And we have to look at more than, and that also feed into the justice system. Mm-hmm. If a child is hungry or a child has a dirty uniform, come into school, very quiet, did not want anybody to see him. Guess what happened? Would not respond. 
The teacher is going to be like, I'm talking to Billy, and Billy is not responding. Billy has attitude problem. Guess what? Billy gets inside of class. Billy gets put in detention. Yeah. Then what happened? Billy doesn't want to go to school anymore. Yeah. Then this whole circle of right. criminal and all that stuff goes into it. So all of that is very, very, oh, it's just yeah, bad it's a bad cycle. Lot. It's a lot. Well, and it's do you think it was that that allowed you to be elected in the Bible Belt I mean, this is like the buckle. This is Nashville's the buckle of the Bible Belt. You know, I mean, this is a very, this is white Christian South. Yes. And you were elected yeah. in this yeah. town. How crazy is that? Well, it, but it's not crazy because listen, listen, you have this ability to connect with people and, and immediately, it, here's, what, here's what you're able to do. You don't pass judgment and people in your sphere immediately feel that you're not mm. passing judgment so by you reaching out that hand of non-judgment others, others make that too. choice yes. to reach their hand back yes. out and yes. also practice non-judgment yes yes and do you think that's what it was or I do you think, think it was I something think, else i think that was a big part of it um i think i remember during one of the campaign on the campaign trail and i was talking about what is happening in the school and i remember one of the guys stayed back and said no that's not happening not here in nashville and I said, yes, sir, it is, mm. you know. So so on the campaign trail, I tell everyone that I'm a CPA. That was also helpful right. because budget was something that we were talking about at the time. And what I told everyone is that the budget has to be our moral document. And the only way it can be a moral document is that if the money ties to the issues, but if we don't know what the issues are, we will never address those issues. Right. So that's where somebody like me, who has been an advocate in the state, on the state level, with some of my women organizations and also my work in the school, is able to say, look, these are some of the issues that we're not talking about and we're not seeing. We need to know those issues. We need to be able to talk about them and we need to be able to put funding towards there. And I'm so grateful that this last budget, we put so much money in social emotional learning mm -hmm. because it's not about just English and math, which is very important. But if you're hungry, you're not going to care about English right, and math. Right. And so being able to, to help the kids through that, I think it's going to help our education system. I think it's going to help our criminal justice mm -hmm. system. I think there's just so many things. It's all, you know, we cannot look at issues in silos. It's mm. all interconnected. They are all interconnected, They're all right? interconnected. I tell people that when I was with the business and professional women, we talk about equal pay for women. And I always tell people that you're not getting it. You think it's about women wanting to be men and making money as men. But think about it. Most of the single family homes that we have are women. Mm -hmm. You do have men, but majority are women. So you're paying us 70 cents. I think we're like at 78 now. But when I started, it was like 70 cents. So paying her 70 cents for the same amount of work, which means she's not able to pay the same bill that the guy is able to right. pay. So guess what she's going to have to do? She's going to have to take a second job. When she takes that second job, now who's taking care of the kids? Right, right. And then they're robbed of, their, then, of, a, of a parent. Of a parent. Someone and then, who can help teach them, you. be with them. Be with them. Love, Feed them, love, love them. them. Ask them how their day is going. Yeah, be, just be there for just them. Just be there for them. So not paying the right wage fits into the education system. I mean, you're talking about a decades-long issue that just just not having the right, That's not, not paying not a fair even, wage. Not paying a fair wage. What does that? And then we come back and said, oh, these kids are not acting right because their parents are not taking care of them. Duh. Well, why aren't they? Well, because, well, because they're working two jobs. Because they're working two jobs. Or you think about the criminal justice system that put a lot of the fathers in jail for small infractions, right? that they're not there to be able to, to, yeah. to take care of those kids. I know a young man recently never had any criminal record, never did anything wrong in his life. So one day he went out with his friend, a college student. He was drinking, shouldn't be, drive, they stop him, and he's going to have to spend two days in jail. Mm -hmm. His license is going to have to be restricted for a year. Uh, what else did I find out? So then what happens? Mm. You try to get a job, you have that behind you. Yeah. I mean, so it's it's, yeah. it's 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 a whole lot yeah. that when we're looking at it and we're looking at a young man that has been responsible, never had any problem, is that the best we should do? I'm not, again, I'm not a lawyer. And I don't know whether it's right or wrong. I leave that to all the people in the legal system to think about. But all I'm saying is that 
when we're looking at issues, let's not look at them in silo. Yeah. Let's look at what else does this impact? How does this impact the other side of society? Yeah, I mean, you're, you're just such a big picture person. We have to. Because I think our problem is that we've been dealing with things, you know, with, with very small lens. Yeah. I think it's, it's a whole lot bigger than that. And I think that's, that's the whole point of let's talk about this. Let's look at when, when you're talking about housing. Yeah. You know, if you don't have a place to stay, you sleep in your car. Mm. How, you, how are you supposed to learn in school? Right. Right? It's, it's, it's all so, oh, 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 I mean, it's, oh, it's a lot. It's a lot. Well, let's talk about women. Because women. That's, that's, I mean, yes, just, women. I think you're, you, you are in powerful circles of women. Yes. Do you think you've infiltrated the circles? Do you think you've built the circles around yourself? I'm just, I'm just blessed to be. <laughs> I think um I, uh, <laughs> I think I would say that it's both. I was lucky enough to be able to infiltrate some circle and I think it, by doing that and also being intentional I've been able to expand the circle mm. and build more on the circle. So, uh when I when I um was in Adamant County I was able to become the president of the Adamant County Business and Professional Women. Wow. From there, I became the regional president. Then I became the state president for the Tennessee Business and Professional Women. And when I became state president, we do advocacy day every year for women. And that's where I met some of the, that's where I met Pat Shea, actually. Yeah. And so when I went in for my advocacy day, I went in with my people, my members. There was like five, six of us. And we ran into other people. YWCA was there. Tennessee Women Political Caucus was there. And everybody has their four or five members. And I had this idea of, okay, what bill are you talking about? We're sitting in the cafeteria. And the bills that we're talking about were the same. Wow. Or mostly the same. So that's when I approached um, Jess McDonald. And I said, what if we do it on the same day? Yeah. And we all speak about the same issues. Yeah, and you're all coming from different walks of life. And we're all coming from life. different walks of life, different organization. We're coming from different part of the state. Mm. Because BPW has members in Rockwood, in Jackson, in different places. Yeah, right. So did, you know, uh, Tennessee Women Collaborative and Caucus and, you know, this other. Awake was a part of it. You know, YWCA was a part of it. AAUW was a part of it. So we started this coalition. And we got up to about 25 women organizations across the state. Wow. We have a Women's Day on the Hill, Tennessee Women's Day on the Hill. Uh, we do, I, I plan the breakfast and the day. Just McDonald and the collaborative does the lunch. And uh, we come together, we talk about the bills for the day. We go over them, we revise them. And then we go into the state legislature to meet with our legislators. Yeah. And I prepare the day's bill. And what is so powerful is that we'll meet with the speaker, we meet with, like with the top people. Sometimes we meet with the governor, take a picture with the governor in those days. Um, but what happens, what I love about it is that when I'm talking to the Speaker of the House or the minority leader, and I'm saying, these are the bills that are important to us. At the bottom of the bill that I did, I put the logo of all those women organization. And I said, we as a collective, mm. all of us are saying, we're against this bill, we're in support of this bill, we're against this bill. It was powerful. Mm -hmm. It was powerful. When Awake had the bill, it's not just Awake members that are talking about it. Mm -hmm. It was Awake. It was BPW. It was the collaborative. When when uh, Tennessee uh, LT and Free Tennessee has one, it was all of us talking yeah. about it. And I think we were able to do a lot that yeah. way and build a lot of coalitions. So that's why I said I think I was able to infiltrate, but I hope that I was able to build Create. a wider circle. Well, do you, and do you think that's how you build power? Is community how you, how a person builds power? Yes, I, I do think that, you know, I, in my TED talk, I use building power. But then when I went back to the purpose, I realized that if you do have a purpose and you work towards your purpose, whether you want it or not, you do build power <laughs> with that purpose. Yeah. Because, it, because at the end of the day, you know, I don't think, I think it's to say I'm going to build power is not how you start, yeah. right? I yeah. think it's having a purpose, working towards that purpose, and that's how you do get the connection. That's how you do, do get to build the bridges. That's how you do 
That's how you do get elected in mm. the buckle of the Bible Belt, <laughs> <laughs> you know. Uh, and so, yes, I think I think it's uh, it's that is how you do it. Just be true to yourself. Yeah. Know who you are and stay to your purpose. Yeah. You know, stay to your purpose. I feel like you, you are you are such an optimist. I and, am. And I kind of I kind of wonder, have there ever been points where you've gotten down on yourself where you're, you know, the woe is me. Yeah. The woe is me feelings. I just don't pick up any of that from you, but I, I have to think there's got to have been there, some of oh, that. Yeah, there, there, there are, there are. But I think also for me, again, I'll come back to my faith. If you pulled people that are very close to me, my children and anybody that knows me, they would tell you that my favorite, I have so many, but my favorite verse in the Quran okay, comes from chapter 3, 160. And I'll paraphrase. And there's a similar verse in the Bible which is interesting, is that that verse says that if the Lord gives you something, if something is meant for you, that there's no one that can take it from you. In contrast, if the Lord does not want you to have something, if something is not meant for you, if the whole world comes together, they cannot give it to you. Mm. And it says in the Lord, let the believers put their trust. So when I get to that point, when I get to the point of La, 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 la. <laughs> and I go back to that. I go back to that. That, you know, he has the power. We are who we are by the Lord's mercy only. Not because we're smarter. Not because we're richer. Not because of any circumstances. But because we're blessed. Somebody can do the exact same thing. You can have two identical children do the exact same thing. And the result is different. Mm -hmm. So I believe that whatever I do that works... Is because I'm blessed. Mm. And if I do it and it doesn't work, it's because that's not what I'm supposed to do at that time. Yeah. And that's not what is supposed to happen. Because at the end of the day, I don't control that. Yeah. He does. Right. And so when I get to where things doesn't work my way, that is my consolation. I just have to put in the effort. So even when I was running, I told everyone I'm going to do my very best. I'm going to give it all. I'm going to state the issue. I'm going to talk about why I'm running and why I think this is important. And I hope that I win. But if I don't, guess what? The purpose is met yeah. because people now know the issue. Yeah. It really doesn't matter who gets to carry it out. The people that heard it and the conversation is already changing. Yeah. Maybe that's all I was supposed to do. Right. Get people to know about it so somebody can go do it. It doesn't have to be me, but at least... If I'm supposed to be the one doing it, that's what he wants. Mm. If my job was just to put it out there, hey, I'm okay with it. With or without the election. I'm a CPA. I've got my license. i got a good job. I'm too. Yeah. <laughs> so it's not a two or die. Like, yeah. I'm passionate yeah. about it and I want to win. And I think there's so many things I could do. But guess what? If I'm not elected, I go back to my advocacy. They'll see me at the state legislature the next year. Yeah. It yeah. doesn't stop what I'm doing. This is just a, pl a, a platform. Right. To continue my advocacy. That's all it is. You, were you always at that point or did, did age help you reach that point of understanding life? And I think, I think that I never thought about it, but I think that as a young kid, because I knew my dad had my back, I never worry about anything. Mm. Right. And I've never had to worry about so much because we were never rich. But if I want something, they'll give it to me. If I, you know, it was just very laid back, easy life. Don't worry about stuff. That's how I grew up. And I think that played into it. But I think the experiences over the years have also solidified that. Mm. It takes a leap of faith to leave your country. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and, and leave. It takes a leap of faith to have five kids. Just my, and, and, and my kids, I mean, there's no uncle, there's no aunties, it's just us. Yeah. To, to be able to do that, you know, takes a leap of faith to, 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 to go to Bolivar, Tennessee. Even coming to Nashville, I tell, tell this joke that when I told my friend in D.C. that I was going to Nashville, they were laughing like, oh, my God, you're going to the South? Yeah. You know, did you read the story of this country? Yeah, yeah, like, right. You know are, you in your, are you in your right mind? Yeah. And with that in my mind, I came to Nashville. The first experience I had with Nashvillians was in an apartment. I went to a pool with my daughter, with the baby, then she's 25 now. Went to the pool, I don't swim. So I'm sitting there by the poolside and I put the baby on my legs and mm. just putting her in the water. My mom did that. I have distinct memories <laughs> of like being on her legs. Being on the legs yeah. and just, and this lady swam up to me and she said, do you want me to swim with the baby? 
I kid you not. Oh. Here in, in Bellevue. Oh, Post Ridge Apartment. What did you say? I was shocked, but I said yes, because the baby wants to get in the water. And yeah. she swam with her for me. And then I was like, this is the this is the place people attempt to leave me. Do I really want to come to? Hmm. And that just break down all of that. That you know what? People are people. Yeah, yeah. People are people. I, I do think people are good. I think I there's think, a tiny think, percent of people who just mess it up. Majority of people are good. In my experiences, everywhere that I've ever lived, people are good. Yeah. People are good. People may not know, and they might be a little bit hesitant. But I think deep down people are good. And then when you break those barriers, then you actually see the beauty in people. Mm. And so, like you said, the people that are just rotting and don't want to hear anything, <laughs> they're very small percentage. Yeah. You know, very, very, very small. So, so yeah, people, are, I mean, I've, I've seen the kindness of strangers. I've, I've, I've seen it in different parts of the world, different parts of this country. And the story has been the same, right? And so that's why in my TED talk, I was saying that the power of people is very strong. You know, if you are hesitant about reaching out, they are hesitant about reaching out too. Right. They don't know you, you don't know them. So take that leap of faith and reach out. Mm. It may not work out and you walk away. Yeah. But what if it did? You yeah. just made a lifelong friend. Well, then you become Zolfat Swara. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that, but, but I, 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 just, I just have such an incredible faith in people. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not naive. Don't get me wrong. Uh, I was uh, the chair of the American Muslim Advisory Council for so many years. Um, and so in my role as the state chair of, of AMAC, I've heard stories, I've seen what's happening with mm. my community. I've seen the Islamophobia, I've, I've seen it all. Uh, 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 and they're, they're ugly. People can be mean, people can be mean. But I choose not to be down in the gutter with them. I choose not to let the opinion of those few that are negative keep me down. Because for every negative, there's a thousand positive. Mm. And so I'm going to focus on the positive and we leave all the cuckoo people to themselves. <laughs> Let's just send them all on an island. And there's cuckoo on all sides. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, I mean, when I use that phrase, it's on every side, yeah. every race, every religion, every group has their own cuckoo people, right? <laughs> and so we just send all the cuckoo people to an island and the rest of us can just deal with each other's people. They'll sort it out. They'll, they'll sort it out. Yeah. We just won't let them win. What, so you, you reach with so much kindness and so much grace and so much care to allow people to be who they are and and allow them to believe what they want to believe and do what they want to do and be who they want to be when people see you what do you want them to do to you or for you i just hope that they pay it forward mm. you know it, it's think about it. this is the way that i think about things you know it's easy for me to say i reach out i'm positive people were reciprocating too if people did not reciprocate, maybe I wouldn't be this way. Mm. So I'm grateful to everyone that has accepted me along the way. Because if they did not, that would not be my experience. If everyone that I talked to was negative and I shut down, then I'm going to be this sad person saying, oh, oh, not in America, maybe only works in Africa, right? Mm. But I'm grateful to the people that I've met that have been able to reinforce that that people are inherently nice mm -hmm. when we get to know each other. Right. And so that's, that's why I'm very positive that that's what we need to continue doing. I also think the other thing that is very important is that I am blessed and I should never forget that. I should never forget that. I went to Bolivar, Tennessee in a place where out of nowhere, but came out of there thriving. I left my country, I'm in this country thriving. Mm -hmm. That's being blessed. My kids went to Ivy League school, they're doing, I mean like, I'm blessed. Yeah. I am blessed. And I want to believe that, you know, my, my dad sold so much good into the world that I saw. Mm, and I believe now. that I'm ripping them. Yeah. Oh, that I'm wow. seeing the kindness of strangers because my dad was good to strangers. Mm. Guess what? I need to be good to strangers so that my children mm. can rip that. Yeah. That's, 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 that's very important to me. Because I see it, seeing him do it, like, why are you always doing that? 
But then I'm in a no man's land. And I have people that were good to me, people that were helping me, people that were kind to me. Then why will I not do it to other people too? Mm. Why, why, why in God's name will I not? It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So I have to continue to do that. The third thing that I think is also important to note is that, so because I'm the one here, I have to help a lot of, I have a lot of people that I have to take care of here yeah. back home. But I always tell everyone that I don't mind doing it. You know why? Because people are coming to me asking me for help. What if I'm the one asking people for yeah. help? Well, they'll be what for if, you now, I'm what, sure. What, sure what, what, but you know what I mean? Like, so you have to look at it like that. What if the Lord, I mean, they didn't do anything wrong, mm. right? So what if the Lord put me in a position that I'm the one that is destitute? I'm the one that is begging for help all the time. Would I not want people to, to have mercy on me and do the same thing? And guess what? It could happen. Mm. You could be high today and tomorrow you're down. So you never forget that. Because when you're down, then you want people to say, she was a good person. Mm. She would have done this. Let's do that too. And so I'm just thankful and grateful and I feel blessed. That's the word that I use all the time. I just, I feel favored by the Lord in so many ways. And my way of being thankful and saying, Lord, please don't take it away. <laughs> is to continue to, to do good and put yeah. more good out there. I love it. So Fatsura, thank you so much. Oh, thank you, Lauren, for having me. I enjoy our conversation. Yeah, I mean, just, me too. Yeah. <laughs> me too. I, I, learned, I feel like I learned so much about life, oh, you know? Oh, uh, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> You're like, I'm full of that. Oh, I'm full of that. I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I honestly don't know. And it's, it's, but I always still tell everyone that, don't, I always still put the caveat, you know, that it doesn't mean that it's all rosy. It's how you respond to it. Yeah. It doesn't mean that I haven't seen negative. It doesn't mean that my kids haven't seen stuff. In fact, I was choking with my kids that I think I need to write a book about them. Because people see that, okay, this one got a master's, this one is medical school. And they see all of that. But they did not know what we had to do as parents to hold them together. Right. They did not know how the challenges they faced in college, that we have to be there for them. They, they didn't just grow up just being fabulous. Right. You know, it, it takes work. Mm -hmm. And I don't want people to just look at me. Same thing with, with people that said, oh, you just go everywhere and you do all stuff. I always tell everyone that when my kids were young, when I was in Maryland, I was a stay home mom. In fact, I got a Maryland child care license so that I can stay in my kids home, home with my kids and watch two other kids. Mm. So I poured into them. I was with them when they were young. They do homework for me every day. Some of the things that they have to do. We have to check the TV channel, the things they don't watch. I did all of that. Yeah. So they didn't just, it takes work. Yeah. It takes work. And I think that's, if anything, that's what I'm telling everyone that don't just think that I'm saying, just say it and then no, it doesn't work like that. You still have to put in the effort. And then when the bad comes, you still have to have the faith to not let that get you down and just to rise above it. And there will be days where you will cry. I'll go in my closet and I'll cry. There are times that I get so depressed. There are times that I have to yell out at my husband and my kids, right? <laughs> so yes, I'll go through all of that. I'm normal. But then I don't stay there too long. Yeah. I don't stay there too long. I have to talk myself out of, what are you doing, lady? Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> we got, we got stuff to because do. I have to do, shoot. What are you, what are you crying about? <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, think about, think about the people below you. If you always look at what you don't have, you will never be grateful. I think about people that are below me and I know that I'm blessed and I have to be thankful. So come on, get, get off, get off. Come on, let's go. Yeah. Yeah. Dry your tears. Let's get out of here. Let's go. <laughs> If you're loving the Amstigator podcast, the interviews, the stories, and the vulnerability, I'd really like your help to share it with more people. And you can do that by reviewing it. The more positive reviews a podcast has, the more likely it is that Apple and Spotify and Google and everywhere will share it. And if you take the time to do that, I'm giving you something really special. I'll send you my free ebook that I don't have anywhere else on my website. 
This is my path to transformation that I started in late 2020. It has my routines, my schedules, uh, what I took on, what I let fall away. It's truly how I do life, honestly, how I work full time at the TV station, how I have three tiny children, how I still make time to do this purposeful work. And it's something exclusively for podcast listeners who leave an honest review. So here's how you get that ebook. If you want it, just go to amstigator.com slash review. That's where I give step-by-step instructions on how to review the podcast. It takes you two minutes. You'll share your email so I can send you the ebook. Bada bing, bada boom, it's done. And literally, it's something exclusively for my podcast listeners who go to amstigator.com slash review and follow the steps. It's how I say thank you to you. Your review really can help place this podcast where more people will see it. And that's why I started this, truly, to help as many people as possible. So you're a part of that. Amstergator.com slash review is where you got to go. Thanks for listening.